Hello, and welcome to the Branching Path Podcast. This is episode nine. I'm your host, Kyle, joined by my fellow host, John. John, how are you today? Pretty good. I like your newscaster voice. Thank you very much. This is the... What's the word for how you talk? Not diction. This is the cadence I'll be taking from now on. <laughs> I, I find that if you trail it like that, you have to end all of your phrases like, ba ba ba. Uh, that's how you get the, the newscaster tone. Um, I would love to see a news anchor just talk in noise like that. <laughs> <laughs> like the Peanuts, Peanuts adults. Ba, 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 ba. Yeah, yeah, but somehow you still get in the tone. Oh, that's a sad story. Like, yeah. Ba, 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 <laughs> no, I find, I find the newscaster tone makes it so ambiguous as to what the emotion I'm supposed to be feeling is. Seven cats were just run over by that bus right there. Or it could be like, <laughs> my husband was just diagnosed with cancer six months ago but he's been cured as of yesterday like that kind of thing same emotion <laughs> they're, they're, Both. All, they're all neutral they're all neutral <laughs> um was oh happy uh happy almost halloween to everyone i've been i've been uh, really emphasizing the apostrophe in halloween because i feel like it gets underused no one uses the no one the uses apostrophe. The, the apostrophe so halloween so happy almost halloween everyone um John, jumping right in, what have you been playing? Oh, boy. I've been trying to force myself to get through Metroid Dread. Uh, I'm not enjoying it. Okay, I'm going to quickly caveat for the listeners kind of a here. Slog. If, you listen, if you're listening and you love Metroid Dread and you're like, I fucking hate John. John's the worst. <laughs> I haven't played the game yet. I feel like I'm probably going to enjoy it more than he is. So when I do end up playing it eventually... Um, there might be a bit more positivity surrounding Metroid Dread. But this is a podcast about our feelings and opinions. So, John, tell me why you don't like Metroid Dread very much. Oh, I want to jump on to what you just said, though. Like, it, You're not wrong. I am I am pretty picky. Um, and like I said, my, if I'm in a not the greatest place mood-wise when I'm trying something, I'm probably not going to enjoy it. Now, I think my criticisms of Metroid Dread do stand out, but I'm at the same time, I also think I'm probably not really the audience i didn't like a lot of metroid games after um uh, super metroid on snes and prime for gamecube mm-hmm. so i'm probably kind of done with metroid but uh, who knows maybe prime 4 will just bring me back but I, I found the level design to be pretty mediocre um visually nothing really stands out some of the bosses are pretty cool something one of the bosses you fight for uh, like a stealth power up was was pretty neat um the damage you take, the, the damage swings are huge. Um, and I, again, I find it tedious because some of the enemies are just these crazy bullet sponges. And for a game where it feels so good to move fast all the time, when you hit this wall of an enemy, um, and uh, you, you can avoid them, of course you can, but you mm-hmm. come across this wall of an enemy and it kind of breaks your flow to avoid and you, you just want to blast through and use your most powerful stuff. And spending like 12 super missiles to bring down a regular enemy is not sitting well with me. <laughs> yeah, that, that's very atypical. Like, I mean, just from what I remember anyways, that that seems like way more than Super Metroid, for example. Yeah, the, the flow of Super Metroid, despite... despite um, handling more clunkily that's even a word um because samus was so floaty in that game the the flow of it and like the speed you can clear a scene in because how fast you can kill things and and how smooth your movement can be if you're good at it Uh, i want to recapture that here and it's not sitting the same way with me that said when you do get those brief stretches it does feel fucking great okay this is again this is i'll say it many many times this is the best samus has ever handled and they did a great job with that yeah you just feel like it's kind of Um, let down by some of the level design and like enemy design decisions yeah i find just the setting pretty boring i find the very frequent um elevators and transports to different zones to be pretty off-putting because they're accompanied by a large load screen or a long load screen rather like 15 20 seconds um and it's really frequent because they, they want to tie this whole planet ZDR together where if I get a super missile, there's like nine different places in the world I could go and use the thing, mm-hmm. which I understand that's Metroidvania, but it's not a seamless world. So every time I come across an elevator, I, I, I might get a power up and then spend two minutes in a zone to, to follow like the main progression path, open a door to find another elevator to get another 20, 20 second load screen. It's, again, it just feels tedious. Yeah. Um, 
out of curiosity, when did you most recently play Super Metroid? Uh, it's been a while. I, it's not something I regularly go back to. Um, um, I'd say at maybe two years ago. Okay. But then, is it A2R? What's that called? AM2R? AM2R, yep. AM2R. That, that's probably a good comparison for like an older style Metroid 2 to Dread. Yeah, AM2R of the 2D Metroids is probably the best for me. Yeah. It's it's 2D Metroid modernized by these these talented devs. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yes, I mean, I'm excited to play it still, and it is a pretty brief game, all things considered. So I I remember with um, Samus Returns on the 3DS, I, I quite enjoyed that game. I, I mean, I, I had my, my issues with it, but it was also pretty brief, so I... I I think I'll be able to see through Metroid Dread even if I'm not like 100% on it if, as long as the, the gameplay feels pretty solid and it sounds like it does. Um, yeah, I'll be curious to see if like the the story decisions they've made take me out of it as much. I've never been particularly fond of Metroid for the story per se. Uh, that might be though, like that might be a positive thing to say. Like it might be because its story was always kind of a backseat implied rather than told thing. So if they move right. to a more of a less implied and, and more told by that like Adam character that might kind of grate on me a bit but we'll see I mean I've been playing a lot of JRPGs lately and, and they don't historically have the best writing so I might also just be in a more forgiving mood when I play Metroid Dread who knows it might um, feel like a break for you yeah it might I might be like oh my god this is the best written story <laughs> ever <laughs> but um yeah fair enough and any uh so you're, you're kind of slowly chipping away at it do you, do you think in, in all honesty you'll finish the game uh, I have my doubts um Every time I boot it up, I'm not having a great time. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm like hate finishing this thing. That's yeah. I'm gonna talk about Breath <laughs> of Fire unfair, three soon. So. <laughs> I don't know if it's fair to. It's not. It's not. It's not fair to say I hate this game, but it's, it's pretty, meh for me. It's pretty middle of the road. I don't feel really compelled to continue. Yeah, so. you're not going back to it because you're looking forward to playing it. You're going back to it because you kind of feel obligated to finish it. I feel obligated to make the $90 I spent justified. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Makes sense to me. Been there a million times. Um, any Anything else aside from Metroid Dread in the last couple of weeks, John? Uh, I wrapped up Grim Dawn. I didn't finish the expansion content, but I beat the main story with um, two builds I wanted to try. I had okay. a great time. Still, still love that game. Um, I've got like 280 hours in that thing now. Damn. <laughs> it's too much time. Um. Yeah, I might go back to it someday and finish the expansion stuff. But when, when I get into that game, that's like all I do all day until I'm done. So <laughs> I'm, I need to put that aside for now. John, is there any other game you can think of, like a single player experience that you you put more time into than that? Huh? What could you be driving at? Hmm. Is there anything uh, that starts with a letter in the second half of the alphabet? Maybe even the last quarter of the alphabet? No, I, I don't think so. You don't think so? Okay. We're gonna leave it at that, eh? <laughs> Sweet code and one. <laughs> Sweet code and one. Uh, all right. No, Xenoblade X, and I love that game. Yeah. Well, there we go. We, we dropped the name. Um, okay. So I uh, I ended up having a trip actually in the last couple of weeks, so I, I haven't had a ton of time for games. Uh, but I have played still a fair bit of Breath of Fire 3. That's really all I've played in the last couple of weeks. We're a very up-to-date podcast as far as talking about recent games um, we got our finger on the pulse of, of gaming, this is what I'm trying to say, but let's talk about my, my deep thoughts about Breath of Fire 3, like a 20-year-old game. Um, so I'm 38 hours into the game now. Uh, when I look at how long it takes to beat, I think around 40, 50 hours is, is what's pretty typical. 60 if you end up kind of trying to get everything. Um, I feel like I'm getting towards the end of the game, but when I look at the, the game facts guide, I, I end up having to scroll quite a bit further than I want to, which hurts my heart because I want to be done with it already. Um, <laughs> I uh, So I think I said last time, um, or maybe I tweeted it, but when I played this game originally a couple years ago, I remember kind of wanting to just get to the point where Ryu grows up. I didn't really enjoy playing as the little child version of him. Uh, this time around, I found that first half of the game extremely charming i thought the pacing was way better uh and as soon as i got to that kind of grow up moment i i found that the game took a huge nosedive in terms of uh pacing scenario writing uh just enjoyment in general for me um to quickly talk about that 
yeah, the game just kind of comes to a standstill. You you grow up, you you become this adult Ryu, which is also kind of a jarring moment story-wise. I didn't find it was very well executed at all. I was kind of confused actually when it happened. I was I was like, wait, when what? H- how? When did I turn into this older version of me? But anyhow, um, the the game kind of has a good momentum going into that moment, and then it it happens, and you have to end up kind of going around collecting your party members again because it's been like ten years and. You've basically been asleep for 10 years. Spoilers, sorry. Um, and that whole collecting your party members thing isn't particularly enjoyable. I, I couldn't help but compare it to Lunar 1. Forgive me, I brought it up again. But there's a point in that game where you end up having to go back and collect collecting your party members kind of one by one. But it's done at this point in the game where the, the stakes have just increased like crazy and the villain of the world has revealed himself. And you end up recruiting your characters in the towns where you met them originally but these towns are all now battlegrounds for like so Maribia the the one town where you get Jessica has a bunch of enemies in it now which was just a cool setting for battles now because Maribia was the safe haven it was a town there were never enemies there um there's also great music playing while you're you know collecting her and, and seeing what's going on there and it's it's just really well written and paced and it, it's an exciting moment getting everybody and in this game it was super slow sloggy nothing interesting like the the inner or the reintroductions were really dumb because it had been like ten fucking years and Ryu had just disappeared off the face of the planet to these people and then he just shows up again and they're like oh oh my god it's you okay I guess we'll go <laughs> we'll hang out again what are you doing yeah I'll come like it was it was pretty half assed pretty mediocre yeah and and again like this this bigger like the the bigger plot point that was revealed when this happened was handled pretty clumsily and written pretty poorly, in my opinion. The broad strokes of it kind of sound good if I laid it out plot point by plot point, but experiencing it, I haven't really given a shit. Um, and part of that is definitely the pacing. Like, the the whole the last 10 hours of gameplay has been me trying to figure out how to get across the ocean to the other side of the world where nobody's nobody from this side has been before, basically. It's, it's this kind of unexplored territory. And that ended up revolving in me revisiting places I've been to dozens of times, like just over and over again and trying to find a fucking boat which they've used three separate times now as a plot point in the same area with the same people with the same boat the boat has either been missing or not working or it's not good enough to get where we need to go and it's like guys we need to move on from the fucking boat part anyways i'm across the ocean now i'm excited to see if the game gets a little bit better and opens up more and I'm hopeful, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm, gonna, I'm trying my best to finish it. Uh, I've got some other old RPGs in the pipeline when I'm done. Breath of Fire Three, uh, yeah, the animations are still amazing. The sprite work is incredible. God, I miss I miss these sprites, man. I wish that there were like triple A devs still doing awesome 2D work. I really miss it. Um, I actually really Same. I really wish that like Metroid Dread, for example, had some fucking HD 2D sprites. Um, like, picturing Guilty Gear-level sprite work. Granted, I think the new games are actually 3D models with filters over top, but, like, some of Guilty Gear's best sprite works from 10 years ago, like, if, if Samus looked that good and the environments look like that, I don't think we'd ever have complaints about how that game looks, but... Yeah, I'd like to see more AAA 2D games. I, I, Octopath is, like, the closest I can think of right now. Coming from Square, and it's it's a mix of 2D and 3D, but... And even then, those sprites—I think it looks fucking gorgeous. It looks—it looks good, but those sprites aren't particularly high quality. Like they're a sixteen-bit sprite, right? Yeah, or that's pretty, the style. Uh, pretty, pretty old school. Yeah. Um. Anyways, but I, I do find that charming still too. Like, it, it's crazy how the limitations of that like artistic style ends up forcing you to put a lot of your own impressions onto those characters. Uh, sure. And I think how much of like how much that serves older like Final Fantasy games, for example. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah, even even Chrono Trigger, they can do a lot with the little um, the little expressive gestures they have. They add a lot of personality to those characters. Yeah, one hundred percent. That are that are often um, when they try that in three D, they fall on their face because the writing's terrible. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's almost like <laughs> it, it betrays poor writing more readily when it's like hyper realistic full 3d stuff because right. your suspension of disbelief and your ability to kind of fill in the gaps yourself is is taken away um it, it's something you and i have been talking about a lot over the last couple of years uh, i think final fantasy 7 remake really drove this point home for us that like something is almost lost when you move from 2d to 3d with some of these 
these JRPG stories and stuff. But anyways, mm-hmm. we'll get into more detail when John finally fucking plays Final Fantasy VII Remake again. Um, what game is that? Well, uh, as you know, Blade Chronicles X. You need to put another 320 hours into it, please. No problem. Okay. <laughs> Start today. <laughs> uh, that I can do. That I can do. <laughs> It'd be easier than playing fucking FF7 Remake. <laughs> um, I guess I'll just mention, because I, I, I like to talk about my, my old game collection hobby. Um, when I was in on my trip, I ended up going to a, an old uh, video game. Well, not old, but it was a video game store, like a retro game store. Uh, they had some crazy finds there. They had uh, Earthbound. Out of the box, so it was just the cart. That game is like four hundred dollars out of the box, just the cart of Earthbound. Jesus. They had um, they had Path of Radiance for the GameCube, which is like a three hundred dollar game. Um, hold on, give me two seconds. I sent one other picture. I was just blown away at the cost of some of this shit. Damn. They had. I wish I still had my copy of Path of Radiance. You yeah, no kidding. Oh, hold on. Sent them on a different messaging app. Stall, John. Stall. Stalling. Uh, Xenoblade Hex is great. Okay, great job. You're done. Uh, they had. <laughs> I ended up looking for Skies of Arcadia Legends on the GameCube, um, I think last year, quite a bit, and nobody had anything. And this place had two copies of it, but that's a $200 game, so I didn't buy that. Also, um, you're not a huge fan of that game. Yeah, also, it's bad, so I'm, <laughs> I'm really glad. I'm really glad at the time I didn't buy it. It was one of those. I mean, it'd still be nice to have for the collection because it's worth so much, so I could probably get my money's worth if I wanted to sell it anyways, but. Sure. Um, man, GameCube games are nuts. Like, F Zero GX is 110 bucks. Yeah, Fire Emblem Path of Radiance is $315. Just absolutely insane. God. Um, they, had, they had tactics ogre the super nintendo one like the march of the black queen they had it sealed in box and it was 550 bucks fucking yeah. hell so i bought that one um yeah naturally naturally no i'm kidding <laughs> i i bought uh grandia 2 on ps2 because it was like 20 bucks and i was like that's awesome i'd love to have this for my collection i've also never sure. played that game and, and i have intentions of playing grandia 1 and then hopefully grandia 2 probably later this year and then uh John's always been a big fan of Tactics A2, excuse me, the the second, or the sequel, I should say, to Tactics Advance. It kind of carries forward a lot of the similar systems with the judges and stuff like that. So they had that for DS, and it wasn't a terrible price, so I ended up picking up that. So I'm going to probably give that a try sometime later this year, too. I'm excited to... I enjoyed that quite a bit. I'm fairly certain I 100% of that game. Nice. I remember you had a pretty big hour count on that one, so if that's any indicator, I'm I'm, I'm thinking I'll be able to get some, some enjoyment out of it, so looking forward to that. Um, John, are there any games that you're looking forward to in the next like couple months at all? Anything you have your eye on aside from Elden Ring in February? Uh, I haven't really been keeping a close eye on it. Um, Elden Ring, of course. Uh, Triangle Strategy looks pretty cool. Excited to try that. Yeah. And again, I just like seeing their their um, mix of 2D and 3D. I, I love that style, and I want to see more of it. So. Right. Um, there's been some announcements like a new Star Ocean game that looks pretty meh, but I'll probably keep an eye on it just to see if anything good comes out. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. I did see we were complaining before the podcast about some of Star Ocean 5's uh, decisions character design-wise, <laughs> yeah. uh, especially in the uh, the, the booba category. <laughs> and <The> booba. <laughs> yeah, some, some pretty tasteless designs in that game. And I couldn't help but notice in the Star Ocean 6 trailer there was a scene with a very, very big-breasted woman who was ex- like just exposing maximum, maximum fucking cleavage. So I wonder if they're oh, gonna. I didn't even see that. Oh yeah, I'm sure they'll have some similarly tasteless designs in this game. We'll see. Probably. Yeah. Um, now, did did Tales of Arise have any of that? Um, I'm just trying to. Th- oh yes, yes, definitely. Uh, Kisara, the like the paladin lady. Her armor set is carefully crafted such that there's no armor. Like she's she's wearing a pretty good suit of like battle armor, which is great for a female character, but her butt is left quite exposed uh, to some nice skin tight, kind of brownish blackish pants. So you really see that butt. And then um, <laughs> there are multiple costumes for her, which really show off her her assets. So, anyways, uh, okay. yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I'm not like opposed to sexualizing characters like as a principle uh i don't know i I find it's usually done pretty tastelessly in jrpgs and it's i don't know i I just i find it pretty cringy more than anything nowadays 
Yeah, it's well, you, yeah. You said tastelessly. I was I was going to say it's if they can do it tastefully, it's fine. It's not like you know there there can be characters in your game world that are I, I guess more sexual people, but it always comes off as pretty cringe. Yeah, definitely. Just just tropey anime stuff, right? It's never handled handled with care. Every right. <laughs> every time a Japanese studio sits down to make a new JRPG. They should all be given, like, a book that they're going to write their notes down in that has a big sticker that says Handle with Care on it. And maybe that will help them <laughs> uh, approach things with more nuance and, and craft some some better told stories. Because there's tons of potential there and tons of awesome games from across the pond. So, anyways, anyways I'm going to stop complaining about JRPGs because now we're going to talk about some, some one of the best parts of, of many JRPGs, which is some really excellent JRPG music. Although I, I have one in, or yeah, one in there today. That's actually not a JRPG per se. Um, yeah, the, the rest of the pod today will be kind of John and I. We, we set ourselves uh, a task to come up with uh, some of our favorite songs from four different kind of categories uh, of of music from games. So we'll we'll kind of spend a bit talking about each of our picks. We'll play a little clip of that song, and then we'll we'll post the link on on the subreddit for you to go listen to the full track if you want to check it out on YouTube. There's a lot of good music here. We'll probably end up doing another. We'll probably end up doing episodes like this in the future because there's so much good game music. So if if you guys enjoy this, let us know. And we'll definitely do more. Um, let's start it off with our. So we we approached it as our favorite, but I'm gonna just say fuck the word favorite because there's too much good music. So some yeah, of it's our way too hard to pick a favorite. Yeah, a favorite is a ridiculous ask. So some of our favorite music, and uh, we started with overworld themes from games. Uh, I'll start, John. I ended up picking the uh, Zelda low rule theme from Zelda: Link Between Worlds. So it's it's basically a um, uh, not a remix. What do you call it when somebody does a song and with Remastered? different instruments? It's not a reprise. There's a particular name for like when you reorchestrate things. It doesn't matter. It's the same as the Link to the Past, like Dark World theme from the Super Nintendo, uh, but they've changed the instrumentation and and uh, it's got a different uh, uh, like score behind it and stuff. And and I really really enjoy it. It's a theme that I I've liked since I was a kid hearing it in in um, the Super Nintendo days. But I thought that the the version that was done for uh, the Link Between Worlds was really excellent. When I when I first got to Low Rule and I heard that theme, I got I got goosebumps for sure. Did you have a listen to the song at all, John? You sent it to me a while ago, and I remember thinking it was pretty pretty damn good. I don't have a lot of time with Link Between Worlds. Um, I just have not been in a Zelda mood much, but mm-hmm. I know you enjoyed that game quite a bit. Yeah, it, it's the the song. I just find it does a really good job of kind of stoking that adventurous feeling in me, and and it really just captures the essence of of the task at hand and that world. And I just think it suits the the mood so so well, and it's just a good jam. So, without further ado, here is a snippet of the low rule theme from Zelda, A Link Between Worlds. Right. I hope you enjoyed that one. John, what did you pick for your overworld theme? So my overworld theme was On the Beach of Dreams, which is the Another World theme from Chrono Cross. Hell yeah. I absolutely love Chrono Cross, and I, I love this damn song. When I was playing piano as a teenager, I played this for a recital once. Oh, um, that was this song. Yeah. Wow. Yep, okay. Yeah, yep, yeah. That's the one. Yeah. I, I was obsessed with this song. It's even now, having not played piano in like ten years, I could probably sit down and muscle memory my way through. Right? Some of this. <laughs> yeah, probably. Because yeah, I just I played it a lot, and I I love this damn song. It just has this really melancholy feel to it, which Chrono Cross was great at creating. There's just a lot of really heady stuff going on in that game. Yeah. Um, and this this song like really communicates that, like uh, in, in my opinion, anyway. What surges maybe feeling at this point when he's literally in another world 
yeah it, it, it's like the, the whole game is kind of like hauntingly beautiful that's how i describe how i describe it and this this track mm. i think this track really captures the tone and mood that they were going for with chrono cross which is a great game by the way for sure yeah all right so i absolutely love this song let's let's do a clip let's give it a listen here we go Okay, our next category was battle themes. I cheated. John called me out before we recorded. I apologize. <laughs> My battle theme is technically a boss battle theme, which is very regularly separated as far as video game music categories go. Uh, but I told John to go fuck himself, and I, I stuck to my choice. So It's true. It, it is true. <laughs> no lies on this podcast. Um, so I ended up picking, it's probably just because it's so recent in my memory, um, but I'll talk a little bit more about my history with it. I picked the Genova theme from Final Fantasy VII Remake, and it's the phase three of the battle, when the actual like Genova song from Final Fantasy VII on PSX really starts to come through, and you hear those those notes that you remember. I actually watched a great video yesterday of streamers reacting to that song, uh, and it was really, really good. I got some solid goosebumps. I actually, Maximilian Dude was in there, uh, and he, like, he was having a fucking conniption when the song really kicks into high gear and you start to hear like the the, the classic Genova theme. Um, <laughs> yeah. The, so I realized when this is this is a huge tangent, okay? But bear with me. When the Star Wars Force Awakens came out, so the Star Wars reboot um, with Daisy Ridley and, and them as as the new cast. When it came out, I saw it in theaters with my my good friend Brett and. I like had a really strong emotional reaction to that movie in a positive way. Like I, 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 when when the Star Wars logo came up and that like score started playing when the movie started, I had like full body goosebumps and like a tear came to my eye and I was kind of like, I was blown away by that reaction. I was I was surprised. I didn't really remember having that much of an intimate like connection with Star Wars, but after so I, I quite enjoy Episode Seven. You know, come at me in the comments. I know, I know, but. Uh, the like after looking back at, at that that experience, I was like, why did I feel so strongly? And I, I kind of remember that in my childhood, I actually watched the original trilogy a shit ton, and I kind of buried that memory. We we had an, one of our uncles ended up living with us for a while, and he had the VHS box set, and and I just remember, yeah, I, I ended up probably watching each movie like dozens of times as a kid. So it, yeah, anyway, that kind of resurfaced those memories. The same thing happened with Final Fantasy VII. I didn't really realize how how much I had played that game as a kid uh, until kind of revisiting FF7 Remake. Uh, I think it's one of the reasons that I, I have so many frustrations with that game is FF7 was actually a lot more special to me than I remember it being. And it, did, it took me kind of revisiting that world uh, to realize it. And one of the things that really made me realize it was how much of a reaction I have to the Genova uh, battle theme. It like every fiber of my being like comes alive when i hear those those intro notes it, it has such an intimate like emotional connection and reaction for me when i hear that song so when i was playing ff7 remake i was fighting Genova, and i remember being really frustrated because for like four or five minutes uh it's just a very orchestral barely hinting at the actual Genova theme um but when I finally got to that that like their version of the Genova theme it's so good like they turn up the fucking the volume on it the the drums are hard the the distortion guitar is really solid like it sounds so good so um i'm gonna shut up for a second any thoughts on the Genova theme before i play it john <laughs> i can totally see why you picked it it's definitely one of my favorites from the original also um i remember watching not live of course i wish but the black mages band play that song and just the fucking amazing guitar and all that um 
it, it just it really fits with what's happening on the screen when you hear it in the original game. Yeah. And I, I have not gotten this far in the remake, but I'm sure it fits there too. Yeah. So yeah. I, I'm not surprised you picked it. And I'm also not surprised about your Star Wars memory because I remember that pretty clearly. Oh, yeah? You remember me being pretty into it when I was a kid? Yeah, I remember uh, our uncle living there. I remember you guys having uh, Star Wars movie nights and fake lightsaber battles. Yeah, yeah, you know what? A few times I would visit. Yeah, 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 that, that does make a lot of sense, doesn't it? So Okay, I'm going to start Sorry. crying on the pod, so let's stop talking about it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so without further ado, here is, uh, here is the Genova battle theme, the third phase of the battle um, from Final Fantasy VII Remake. Enjoy. yeah welcome back i hope that you uh you've dealt with your music boner and we can continue um john what did you pick for your battle theme i had a really hard time with the battle theme there's um a lot of them do jump out at me but it's it's more about the context for me i like how a battle theme highlights the action on screen um and also i didn't know we could pick fucking boss shut up john what are you talking leave it alone (laughs) (laughs) so i went with the regular battle theme uh and uh, actually ff7 was on my list because i really liked how it highlights what's happening or really enhances what's happening on screen like when cloud is getting ready for a limit break and and things like that but i ended up going with the legend of dragoon because I love the base, I love the opening, and I, I just think it fits really well with your characters, you know, crying out their addition names and all that stuff. Volcano! It, just, it all comes together. <laughs> there you go. You can't, you can't play that game and not say Volcano. <laughs> <laughs> Burning slash. Burning <laughs> rush. Yeah. Rush, that's it, yeah. <laughs> that's exactly how he says it. That. Burning rush. <laughs> yeah. Uh, amazing. But yeah, I, I like that theme a lot. I think it really... You're going to hear it a lot throughout the game. Yeah. I think the opening is really strong and fits with what they're saying well enough that it won't become too grating. So that that was my choice. Sweet. Yeah. No, I, I played uh, Dragoon last year, and I so I obviously heard a lot of this song. Um, I took I had to refresh my memory to kind of see exactly what it was. But I agree. It fits the game very well, and it, it really jives well with with your characters you know, running up, doing your timed inputs, and then them yelling out funny things. So, yeah, it's a great <laughs> song. Let's uh, Let's give it a listen. Here we go. So I guess I should say Legend of Dragoon, the battle theme. So I do want to do a couple quick honorable mentions here uh, just because, again, I was chastised by my girlfriend for not giving Persona enough of a shout out. Don't worry, there's some coming. Um, <laughs> I think uh, the Persona series has some of the most interesting battle themes of like any JRPG out there. I also think in general it just has the, some of the most interesting like soundtracks for JRPGs because Shoji Maguro has like you know vocals and stuff in a lot of his songs. But I actually think both P4 mm-hmm. and P3 have excellent, excellent battle themes. So so check out Persona 4 and Persona 3's battle themes if you want to have a listen to something that's a bit more unique and, and very easy to bob your head to. Um, so our next category was town themes. Um, I'd say mine was a little bit of a stretch here as well, but I, I think I can justify it. And I, I picked Persona 3. I say a stretch because I could kind of view this as an overworld theme as well because it's the song that plays when you are kind of 
after school and picking where you want to go in the town that you're in uh, and like who you want to spend your time with and stuff. But it also plays not when you're on that map screen, but also when you're just walking around those areas. So to me, it was kind of the Persona 3 just town theme. Um, did you listen to this one when I sent it to you yesterday, John? Uh, I didn't get a chance to. I find this song so, so, like, just easy to sit there and rock out to. When I when I tried to play P3 again uh, earlier this year, I remember just, like, I put the controller down and just, like, bob around the house singing the terrible English lyrics as best I could. And... Uh, until my girlfriend made fun of me and told me to sit down. So, yeah, good song. <laughs> nice. So here is the town theme from Persona 3. And I'm sorry if it has an actual better name than town theme, but I'm lazy. Here we go. back john what did you pick for your town theme i went with something i didn't expect to pick but i I heard it on a playlist and it just took me back in time 20 years (laughs) and i had to pick it um this is the prontera theme from ragnarok online um got hearing that song brought back so many fucking memories from that game just a pvp tournament i was in the the clock tower and aldebaran like farming the morak pyramid all, just all this crap i was remembering and Drop i was like oh my jargon. god I was, <laughs> I was like i want to play this game <laughs> but i shouldn't because it's an mmo and i'll lose my entire life yep <laughs> um, it's the yeah it's just so many good memories there and i think the song is good and you spend a lot of time in Prontera. um and if you're like me and you played a lot of private servers also, um, Prontera is often like the main town that people hang out in uh, with small population servers, at least back when I played. So you, you hear that song a lot, and it's it's really good. Um, it just gets me pumped to play Ragnarok, or at least it did back then. <laughs> Sweet. Very cool. Yeah, I, it reminded me of like the kind of early 2000s MMO sound, actually, because I was kind of thinking of MapleStory when I heard this song. Um, and oh, yeah. there are a couple of there are a couple of Maple Story songs that I might have to highlight in a future episode because it's got a special place in my heart for sure. Um, yeah. Well, without further ado, let's listen to the Prontera theme from Ragnarok Online. Okay, so our last category that we picked for ourselves uh, was video game openings. So usually like the kind of song that would play with an opening um, kind of video, that kind of thing with the title screen at the end. Um, For this one, I went with the Chrono Cross opening. Uh, I think it's called Scars of Time. Is that right, John? Uh, I think Time Scar. Time Scar, yes, thank you. So it's called Time Scar. This one has a name. Um, I've always thought this this song was such a banger and it always got me super excited to play Chrono Cross. I um I historically am someone who really enjoys a song that has kind of multiple very distinct parts to it. Uh, for example, uh, Billy Joel's Scenes from an Italian Restaurant has kind of a slow opening. It has more of an upbeat uh, middle and then a, a kind of third act, which is very different from the first two. And it, it almost feels like you're kind of going through different um, different movements in like a classical piece, for example. Uh, and I feel that this song does a pretty good job of having two very distinctive parts. The kind of slow, hauntingly beautiful opener with, you know, fewer instruments. It's a bit more pared back. And then it gets to this sick violin part and the drums kick in. And then it gets fucking high octane. And I'm getting goosebumps just talking about it. Um, John, I'm guessing you're a fan of this song as well. 
Oh, absolutely. Uh, I have listened to that and watched that intro video so many fucking times <laughs> as a kid. Yeah, for sure. Um, it, I can hear that song right now. I, that is burned into my brain. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, one of those one of those songs that I will I will be able to like hum every note till the day I die, even if I don't listen to it for decades. So, all right, <laughs> let's listen to Time Scar from Chrono Cross. beautiful all right john the uh the last song that we're going to showcase today which video game opening song did you pick i had to go with the opening from wild arms one on playstation sick i fucking love this song um it just has this adventurous feel to it i feel like part of it is because it was like this came out in 97 for the u.s in north america so i i would have been nine years old um and it was part of like the early exposure to Japanese animation. So seeing that, that animated intro video, it came out at a time where I was getting uh, into stuff like that, like Sailor Moon in 95. Way earlier than that, when I was probably too young to remember half of it, there was Samurai Pizza Cats in 91, um, which is still ridiculous. Yeah. And I love it. That, that <laughs> beloved anime staple everyone knows of. Yeah. <laughs> everyone knows Samurai. But yeah, um, this was before even the original Pokemon cartoon hit North America in 98. Um, So I I watched this intro so many times, and it's just, there's this moment early on where Cecilia lets out this, like, magic light, and Rudy is later on struggling to climb this cliff, and he's, you know, he's he's sweating, he's having a hard time, and then he sees that light, and he gets kind of inspired to finish, and up top, he meets Jack and Cecilia, and you just, you know, at the end of that video, you're about to go on a a real trip with these three people. Cool. Um, So I can listen to that today, and I I love it just as much. That's awesome. I I actually originally had the Wild Arms 2 opening for my pick, John. Oh, sweet. Yeah, and then I saw you pick Wild Arms 1, and I was like, okay, I'll, I'll switch it. Um, the Wild Arms series has such a unique sound as far as like video game soundtracks goes. Um, just the instrumentation uh, that, that the composer picked. Uh, I think I told you that the Wild Arms composer is working on the Ayuden Chronicles game, right? You mentioned that, yeah. yeah. That's, that's got me excited. Yeah, me too. I'm really, really excited about that. So Ayuden Chronicles is is the kind of sweet code in spiritual successor being made by a lot of the original team. It was, it was kick-started and, and funded. They met their goal, no problem. Um, yeah, so they've got this composer from the Wild Arms series on board, which is really, really exciting. The, you, you'll hear from this song, but it's, it, like, it's some really awesome, beautiful stuff, and, and it did a great job of capturing the tone of those games and the setting, right? It was kind of a Wild West JRPG setting, an interesting mix of genres. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, let's give a listen then to our final song of the day, the opening for Wild Arms 1. Thank you for listening to some really awesome video game music with us today. I really, as long as the editing isn't too much of a pain in the butt, I, I think that we'll probably do a number of these in the future because there's so much awesome game music that I'd like to highlight um, and kind of just reminisce about for sure. So, um, sure. Cool. Any other honorable mentions since I snuck a few in there, John, before we move on? Uh, for the battle theme, I'd say Super Mario RPG. Oh, nice. Um, I, I love just... The, the tone of that game is like infectiously happy even during the dark moments it's like it's like a cartoonish yep dark moment where you're still kind of you know you're still laughing along with the cast of this game um and the, the battle theme just really 
that captures that well. And I'm fairly I'm, Super Mario RPG is Yoko Shimamura, I think, who is is fucking amazing. So, um, and look forward to another selection from that. The next uh, if, when we finally get to do a boss theme. <laughs> Or when I when I when I get to pick one, because Kyle <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> when we change the rules to allow boss themes, finally, uh, John will have a great yeah, a great new pick. I know exactly what theme yep. you're talking about. Yep. <laughs> yeah, love the music in that game. So um, that would be my runner up for battle theme. I think. Dope. Um, John, I didn't tell you about this before the podcast, but I I want you to to loudly away from your mic. Uh, sing at any note you feel comfortable singing the word news with me just like I did last time alone you ready? I'm in an apartment so I'm not going to yell too loud okay don't yell be loud but just join me shall we? alright Okay. deep breath 3, 2, 1 news the news the news I can't do it as long as you news you fucking (laughs) son of a bitch well done very good I can't uh, I can't hold it because it's funny (laughs) So uh, a couple things to talk about news-wise today. Um, we'll probably start by uh, talking about Nintendo, our favorite punching bag. Um, <laughs> so they they rolled out their new um, online, I think it's called Nintendo Online Plus Expansion, lovely name, uh, which has N64 games, not many of them, uh, and some Sega Genesis games, which is still kind of crazy to me, considering like the height of the console console wars in the 90s between Sega and Nintendo, and now Sega's just <laughs> on their virtual console. Very funny. Right. Um, and it also includes the uh, Animal Crossing DLC as part of that bundle as well, and I'll talk about that separately in a minute. Um, seems like it hasn't been the smoothest rollout in the world. Yeah, I'm seeing a lot of reports that the games play like shit. Um, there's a... Highly visible clip online of Ocarina of Time crashing and running like crap in Kakariko Village. Um, there's a whole shenanigans with the inability to um, use the controller memory pack fucking up. Um, you were telling me this earlier. It's like the, the time trials in Mario Kart. Yeah, there's like ghost trials in Mario Kart that you can you can do as long as you have the memory pack. But you can't do them because they didn't program it in that, that your controller has the memory pack installed. And there's no way to do that. So... Until they fix that, they've just left out a key feature of Mario Kart. It's it's nuts to me that it's it's fucking Nintendo. Like they do make some pretty high quality shit, and their games are often, if not good, in the case of in my opinion, I don't really think Metroid Dread is that good. But it is polished. It is well made. Uh, so it's still baffling to me that they will put this out and pretend it's complete. And charge an extra thirty bucks a year on their on their fee for a service that's already shit because their internet um, <laughs> in games like Smash Bros is garbage. Yeah, their online service um, sucks. Yeah, yeah, and you know we got to play Crystalis through it, which was very cool, and I, I don't regret buying it to get access to some of those retro games. But you're, you're asking for more now for a service that is already lackluster. This should have just been a free update to people who who bothered to pay for your. <laughs> pretty mediocre thing to begin with yeah yeah for sure i feel the same way um, and the money they would be making could be coming from selling the peripherals like the n64 controller it, it it blows my mind since iwata passed nintendo's like attitude towards consumers or what they're willing to the broken shit they're willing to put out and and hope that will purchase is just there's they feel way more scummy now yeah i get you it, you know what sucks though the the I mean it seems like that's where the incentives lie right because they're the richest company in Japan now, so they've yeah. they've done well like like financially they're they're they've done better than ever right despite uh, oh, yeah they're they're not not hurting and you, but to me that says you can afford not to nickel and dime your your base of course for this this shitty fucking expansion yeah <laughs> definitely yeah I I I mean the 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 whole not being able to remap buttons for example really grinds my gears because it almost seems intentionally designed for you to just cave and buy one of those $50. Well, that's $50 American. So here it'll be like $70, um, $70 right. fucking N64 controller. Well, I mean, it's, I like that they, they put that out like as a legacy thing. I love that you have the option of getting a wireless N64 controller. Now that's pretty cool. Um, I hate that they're kind of making it, the only way to comfortably play the games that they've added to the service that you now have to pay more than twice as much for. Um, right. Yeah, it's just, it's pretty classic Nintendo. For, for whatever reason, 
add the word online to anything that they're putting their name to, and it's going to be the worst version of, of it that it could possibly be, it seems. <laughs> I don't know why they're so allergic to, to just good online service, but they, they have been for a long time. Um, yeah, their handling of things like the um, fan-made slippy net code for, for Melee and just... It's weird. It's like when they see that other people can do it better, they stubbornly put out their inferior version, but somehow they still know you're going to purchase it because it says Nintendo on the box. Yeah, yeah. Um, the um, the netcode for, like for Melee, for example, does Nintendo have like a first-party online netcode that you can use for that? Uh, no. Okay, because I was going to say, they, they, even, they'll, they'll even do they, it with projects they, could, they, have, they have no intention of ever touching, right? That's what drives me nuts. Yeah. Like, yeah, they're not going to release or re-release Melee. Um, they could just, you know, they could be celebrating the fact that their fans are going to are trying to keep this thing alive. Absolutely, not only improving it. Um, they could talk to the guy who's incredibly smart, smart enough to write Slippy and be like, "Yeah, help us add this to to Smash, um, whatever the new one's called. It's not Ultimate, is it? Yeah, yeah, it is. Yep. It is Ultimate. I thought that was the Wii U one. Smash, Smash Ultimate. Anyway, like help us add this or or. If not that guy, then realize that there's a clamoring for this because the rollback code for fighting games is you know, part of what makes it even <laughs> uh, remotely playable online, yep. in, especially in a tournament setting. Um, they, they could be doing their, their own version, but very stubbornly, they, they just don't. And when they do something like it, it's always it's never as good. Um, the, the offerings they have for their online marketplace are not as good as their competition. Mm -hmm. So they, they are they already what, what I'm trying to get at is they, they know what their competition is and what they should be offering to compete with these services, but they still don't. And yet they're making money hand over fist because it's Nintendo. Hell yeah. And that's why we love them so much. Um, <laughs> yeah, so buy Nintendo online for an extra $30 American. By the way, we should mention that again. Um, yes, yep. because it's such a good deal and Nintendo so desperately needs our support um, in these trying <laughs> times. Very good. Uh, Animal Crossing DLC. So this was announced, uh, I think, in the last two weeks. That pretty, yeah, It was definitely after our last podcast. Um, I actually th am really positive on the DLC announcement. Like, there, There's a bunch of free stuff coming uh, as kind of a final free update and there's a lot of really good stuff in there including like gyroids and stuff from the original game. A ton of stuff that was just missing, frankly. That that everybody was like, this was in the three DS version. Like where is it? Like that like all the best parts of this aren't here. Um well they're all coming. They're all coming back now, which is awesome. Uh there is also a paid DLC which includes like a whole it's called I think it's called Happy Home Designer and it's basically a, a job that your character takes on to design homes for for residents on this kind of uh, tropical getaway island and you actually get like paid for it so it's a cool interactable little mini game that you actually get a reward for which i think uh, animal crossing is kind of desperately missing is kind of like a a job system like that where you you make money so i thought that was really really cool um it looks really good i i did uh, talk with my girlfriend i think we're going to give it a shot and see if we don't kind of start from scratch and just treat this like our first time playing the new animal crossing since now it's actually going to have everything um, and I think it's a fine deal as far as what you're paying for the DLC and what it, what what's coming with that. I do. I just wanted that we talked about this bit before the pod. I, I I kind of just wanted to whinge a bit about the whole, um, the. It's it's more common practice nowadays to release a game, knowing that you're going to be adding more to it later, even even if it's free updates. But knowing that the game as it's being released is not your kind of finished version of that game um i'm not really complaining so much about early access for for indie games because that's you know used as a model to actually fund those projects i still if i end up engaging with them in like their alpha or beta phases i almost always end up ruining the final product for myself because i've seen too much of the game at that point and i don't want to play through the things that i had already played through to see whatever new content there is so as a general rule i don't really care for early access just personally um, I'm a little bit less forgiving of this, or I just, I mean, I'm more frustrated by it, I guess, when it comes to these, like, huge, you know, Nintendo first-party developed games, for example. Like, they have the budget to just have released Animal Crossing a little bit later with all this stuff that they'd intended to put in the game. Um, and this kind of games as an ongoing service model just doesn't really do it for me because 
I want this stuff while I'm in the throes of enjoying this game, right? I don't want it six months, a year, more than a year later. Like, I'm kind of burned out on it by that right. point, usually, right? Like, we were talking about Monster Hunter Rise. There's there's a huge DLC coming in the summer of next year, and I just can't help but feel like I'm sure it's going to be awesome. If that had been in the base game when I was playing it, when it was new... I probably would have got another like hundred hours out of that game and it would have been even, you know, all the more special because of all that extra stuff that it came packaged with to begin with. Um, yeah. So for me, I just, I guess I, I kind of just hate the feeling of FOMO where I'm like, God damn it. I wish I cared about this game enough to go back and experience all that, that new cool stuff. And I wish it was just there when it had first come out, but. Right. Yeah. For, for indie devs, um, it's, it's hard to criticize with the early access model. We're probably getting games we otherwise wouldn't have got yeah. right? because they're making enough money to continue or finish its development. Now, plenty of these projects get abandoned even though you've spent money on them, which definitely sucks. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure you can get a refund on that on platforms like Steam if you want. But um, if I if I think about it that way, as in we, we're getting something we may not otherwise have ever received, then I can... I, I'm fine. As uh, I sympathize with the devs, you want to get paid for the the really hard work you're doing to make a game. Totally understand. But yeah, like when it comes to a giant company that could afford to delay to give a more complete experience, I I wish they just would. <laughs> yeah. And I'm fine with expansion content. You look at um the expansions for Dark Souls 3. Dark Souls 3 felt relatively complete in its initial form. You could finish the game and fight the final boss, right? Yeah. And then extra stuff gets tacked on that adds new lore to the world and things like that. And, and that, that's fine. I'm fine with that. But Monster Hunter is all about having a large pool of monsters to fight. And as much fun as we had with that, the pool was pretty shallow. Yeah, it was. Uh, and, and the up, free updates they rolled out were pretty mediocre. <laughs> yes, 100% mediocre. Um, yeah, the, the, the Souls DLCs, in my opinion, are like the, the um, kind of golden rule for like the best version of dlc because those games all came out feeling complete and the dlc was just like hey we made some more awesome stuff for you aren't you excited and then it also like it just it yeah it was also super well crafted it felt very distinct from the base game as well which maybe helps kind of the perception of it not feeling like it was kind of just oh here's the finished product of the game it's like oh no this really is extra this is just more awesome game that they made for me um yeah, it felt like a true expansion. Yeah, yeah, exactly. A true expansion. Bloodborne is another great example. I found the DLC for that game so awesome. Um, oh, for sure. Uh, I want to play Bloodborne. We should play Bloodborne again soon, John. Thinking about I, it? We, I'm super down for this. Are one. you? Oh, okay, cool. Let, let, let's do our, 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 our the thing we always say. A little bit of Bloodborne? A little bit of Bloodborne. little bit of Bloodborne. We know you. This is why you listen to this podcast. Right? little bit of Bloodborne. Yeah. To hear, this, to hear dumb shit like this. <laughs> so we'll be playing Bloodborne soon, which is exciting. Um, yeah, so anyways, for that. I think I think, uh, I think this is probably not going anywhere as far as the, like, it feels very intentional. So one other thing I should mention, like, it feels very pre-planned, right? That they're going to be releasing this clearly. You can tell Animal Crossing is a good example. You can tell it's missing some key stuff. Um, and it wasn't until Just that stuff stuff got... you stuff you would expect at this point playing other games in the series. Yes, exactly. Stuff stuff that the series had set expectations for, that the brand new like first time on console in in like twenty years since the GameCube um, version of this you'd expect to have. So like it, it, but it felt again very intentional that it was left out because it was going to be added at a, at a later date. Um, anyways. Right. Anyways, uh, I'll leave it at that. It does look. I'm actually pretty excited for the Animal Crossing DLC. We might end up revisiting it, my girlfriend and I. So we'll, I'll chat about it um, next time. If actually, I think it comes out in about a week. So yeah, so maybe next time we'll chat a bit about Animal Crossing. Um, Sweet. Okay, two more items of news, and then that'll be it for today. So both quick ones. Returnal, the very excellent PlayStation Five exclusive third-person action shooter, um, which is a, a roguelike game where you, if you die, you kind of restart from the, the beginning with some caveats. One of the biggest gripes people had, myself included, was that there was no way to suspend a run in the middle of it. And a run can last anywhere from like, you know, two minutes if you have bad luck to like eight hours. Uh, So 
like running the game from the start to the finish if you got supremely lucky or you're just fucking awesome at games you could easily have an eight hour run there with with kind of no breaks they had no way of suspending those runs at all aside from putting your console into sleep mode basically uh which which did work but if you had any issues with like a power surge or the console shut off or whatever you'd lose your run which also means no no one else can play it well yes yeah exactly exactly. (laughs) it's just locked down to save your lockdown yeah (laughs) console is in lockdown so they finally added a um a suspend feature to the game so you can now officially through the software in the game suspend your runs which is really awesome uh I, i recommended this game um when we started the pod but i still easily recommend it with this added feature it's 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 a must play it's really really special um there's a reason again that sony ended up buying the studio after the game came out so i can't wait to try it it looks it looks really cool i just have to find a damn ps5 <laughs> I, I think you'll enjoy returnal john i really do i, I hope you do so I, I have intentionally avoided as many spoilers as I could because the, the lore looks really interesting, so I, I can't wait to get my hands on yeah, it. Yeah, I, I think you'll like it. I, I really quite enjoyed it. So I, I think it's up your alley as far as, like, setting and kind of... The, there's a, you know, a bit of the cosmic horror vibe to it. I wouldn't say it's, like, scary per se, Sweet. but there's that's definitely the atmosphere. It's like you're kind of afraid in this weird space area. So, anyways. really yeah, That sounds fucking sick. Yeah, it's a really good game. I hope you like it. Um, okay, last bit of news then is the uh, the developer of Stardew Valley, Concerned Ape himself, released a trailer for his new project. I don't remember if it had a name, but I called it Hot Chocolate Game. Um, and I bet you if you search Hot Chocolate Game, it'll come up. Uh, it's, it's a game he's making that's kind of centered around basically making hot chocolate, right? Am I wrong in my memory of this trailer already? I don't know. Let's have a quick Google. I just, I saying it out loud, I was starting to doubt myself. I was like, is that it? Is it just about making hot chocolate? Like, the the gameplay trailer showed quite a bit of different, like, different things the character was doing. The combat looked a lot more fleshed out than in Stardew. Um, visually, it's very similar to Stardew. He's reusing a lot of assets and a lot of sprites and stuff. Um, John was saying he was kind of so, hoping for a bit of an upgrade there, and, and I agree. I was kind of shocked it looked so similar to Stardew, but I'm not overly upset by it. Yeah, I, I'm not gonna. It's not like I wouldn't enjoy the game because of that. But if if he's doing all the art himself, I, I was kind of hoping to see how much he'd improved. Uh, and maybe he chose to do this um, just so he could get the game out instead of spending all that time working right. on art. But I was hoping to see a little boost in the in the graphic style there. But the game is called Haunted Chocolatier. Haunted Chocolatier. There we go. Nice. Let's see what he says about this here. Details in the project are scarce. Gameplay shows a mysterious castle filled with moody lighting and a chocolate shop attended by little ghost employees shaped like bonbons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it looks it looks just as charming as Stardew, uh, and I'm sure it's going to be just as fun. Yeah. What what really threw me was that your your money counter was literally identical to the money counter from Stardew. Oh is yeah. It? So now I wonder. He did say it's pretty early days, and, oh, yeah, and it will be quite a while before it's out. So I do have a feeling he's going to end up doing some changes to stuff like that. Because to me, that would be one area to make some change, right? Just to kind of give a different aesthetic, like tonal feel to that. Um, so right. we'll see. I mean, it, it, again, he said it's very early days. Look could change. But either way, I'm, I'm actually very, very excited for it. I loved, loved Stardew Valley. Um, so I'm, I'm quite uh, optimistic that he'll pump out another another banger. It could be a conscious choice, too. Maybe he's trying to say this happens in the same world. Yeah, I mean, yeah, very well could be the case. Actually, now that you mention that, I think he kind of hinted at that being the case in a, in a post previously, that the, the next game was kind of going to be a Stardew spinoff of sorts. Um, okay. Yeah, so that, that actually, I think you're right, John. I think if we did some digging, we'd find that quote again. But yeah, either way, it's very... Yeah, Stardew, ex- Stardew was high quality, so yeah, excited to... I'm sure this will, will live up to that. Yeah, I think so, too. Yeah, and that's about it for uh, for news and games today. Um, I mean, of course, there's other news. Some of it's very dark. If you wanna, if you wanna go see some dark news, go to Kotaku. Um, yeah, some some yeah, sad stuff. But anyways, we're gonna not talk about that on the pod today. Uh, anything else you wanted to say before I end it all? Uh, nope, that's it for me. Okay, I'm going to end it all, and of course, I'm talking about the podcast, <laughs> not my life. Um, thank you guys very much for listening. Uh, sorry that this episode was a day late. We had so, so many tweets and private Reddit messages complaining about that. 
because we're a very popular <laughs> podcast. Um, tell your friends. So, uh, yeah, thanks for your patience, and uh, we'll chat at you guys in a couple weeks. See you next time, guys. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Branching Path Podcast. Check us out on Twitter at BranchPathPod or just search Branching Path Podcast. Check out our subreddit at reddit.com slash r slash branchingpathpodcast. You can find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, and on our RSS website, which is rss.com slash branchingpathpodcast. Thanks again for listening. Take care.